Every system has a flaw. Hacked is about what happens when someone finds it. Equal parts cinematic storytelling and high-tech nerd out, each episode of Hacked tells the story of a cybercrime from the perspective of the hacker behind it. Whether it's Bitcoin heists or malicious online ads, bots racing to buy sneakers or cybercriminals taking down governments, in each episode of Hacked, storyteller Jordan Blumann and computing science expert Scott Francis Winder tell the story of an international or unconventional hack before diving into the technology and tools that made it happen. More than just cybercrime, Hacked is a show about how information, data, communication, and most importantly, trust are all changing and what happens when people figure out what that change is headed before everyone else. Hacked is a show for people who love technology, crime, psychology, and a good old-fashioned con. Find Hacked on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to Data Science at Home Podcast with Francesco Gadaletta. You are about to get cutting-edge insights from the people who are reshaping the world of technology with machine learning, data science, and artificial intelligence. It's time for Data Science at Home. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home Podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from the regular office of Leuven in Belgium. Thank you for listening to this episode. I really appreciate your interest and I'm very glad to have you as a fellow follower. This is very important for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't forget to surf datascienceatome.com is where I put the show notes of all the episodes and of course uh, the references to the papers that I uh, mentioned during the show or other material that might come useful for your personal interest but for also for your career for anything related to uh, machine learning artificial intelligence and data science the subject of today is uh, knowledge distillation and uh, model compression now this is one of the most important subjects i consider when it comes to deep learning and more uh, specifically to very large models because this makes machine learning and deep learning in particular more accessible to many, uh, especially to those who do not have, for example, very large infrastructures to run these models, uh, definitely to train, but also to put them in inference mode, which means when these models are performing prediction on unseen observations. Not only that, but also you know, when it comes to edge computing, this is also another important barrier uh, that can be removed almost completely when it comes to knowledge distillation. And why I'm saying that is because knowledge distillation as the ultimate goal of making these very large deep learning models of hundreds of millions of parameters much, much smaller without, of course, sacrificing the accuracy, because that's what you want. You, you would like to have the smallest possible model without paying too much in uh, uh, you know, reducing the accuracy that clearly will be lower than the massive model with hundreds of millions of parameters because the complexity of these models is, is orders of magnitude bigger and also the, the complexity of the patterns that this model can in fact detect and infer is much bigger as well. So of course a bigger model performs better, but the question here is can I find a way to take that big model and use it 
and compress it somehow so that I can have a much smaller model that at the same time still performs almost the same. So that's the topic of today. And uh, the short answer is yes, it is. It is very possible to achieve model compression and also maintain the accuracy at a decent level. So in fact, when it comes to knowledge distillation, there is one person who came with this idea back in 2015, and that is Geoffrey Hinton. So he came with this amazing idea that I will uh, explain in a minute. You know, there has been uh, increasing interest in the idea of compressing a machine learning model, especially a deep learning model. The first use case of distilling knowledge is, in fact, as I said, to obtain a smaller model. But it also there is also another purpose that I think has found much more interest in the community, which is knowledge transfer. And so when you are moving, for example, from one domain to another, what you would like to do is, in fact, transferring the knowledge that you have gained from the first domain and move it to the other domain, uh, because, you know, you don't want to start retraining everything from scratch. And we have seen this a number of times happening, especially in computer vision, when uh, deep neural networks have been used for, for example, training or classifying generic images. Uh, we have plenty of these images. We have plenty of labeled images as well. But then moving these models to, for example, medical images, well, then it became a problem. Why? Because the domain is much narrow domain. And so it is much more difficult to find labeled medical images. Now imagine when you have, for example, a rare disease, you have even less of these observations, less images, which means that most of the time these deep neural networks were not really usable uh, as they were when they were, uh, for example, inferring cats and dogs or horses and other animals. So when it comes to generic images, I'm full of images. Can I transfer the knowledge that I've learned in the first domain into another domain so that I don't have to start from scratch? That's the problem called transfer knowledge. And uh, it turns out that model knowledge distillation comes useful for both purposes, the purpose of compressing a model and the purpose of transferring knowledge. So the typical framework that supports the concept of uh, knowledge distillation goes under the name of teacher and student framework. So this is very simple. It's in fact unbelievable how simple it is and how effective it can be at the same time. Imagine you have a teacher and a student. Now the teacher is usually the model that knows more, right? Knows more than the student. And so usually the teacher is dealing with very large data sets. It's also dealing with very large number of parameters because it's the teacher. And the idea is, how can I have a student that is better than the teacher? Or eventually, how can I have a student that is as good as the teacher, but is much smaller in terms of uh, uh, parameters that, of course, will be trained, but also can deal with much less data? And why is that? It's because in the other domain, when I'm going to use that student, I don't really have the same amount of data I had uh, at the teacher's disposal. So this is the problem. Now, the idea of knowledge distillation for model compression is having a smaller student model that is trained to mimic a pre-trained larger model or an ensemble of models called the teachers. Now, when you have two 
models like the teacher and the student. In fact, what we are trying to do here is transferring knowledge from the teacher to the student by minimizing the difference between the logits, uh, which is the inputs to the final softmax layer that is produced by the teacher model and those produced by the student model, right? You want to minimize these differences because if we minimize the differences, it means that they perform almost the same. But in many situations, the output of the softmax function on the teacher's logits has only the correct class with a very high probability, and then all the others are almost zero. Imagine this, you have uh, a classifier that tries to classify images with um, 10 classes. So every image can in fact be any of the 10 possible animals uh, recognized by your classifier, right? And so now let's assume that the, your network is telling you uh, this image is a cat 60%. So 60% probability, it's a cat. Uh, then let's say there is a 30% probability, it's a dog. And uh, the remaining 10% is uh, spread among all the other eight um, animals or categories, right? When we look at, you know, in a traditional way, we look at this model and we say, okay, I'm gonna take a cat. So we, we usually take the arg max, right? It's the argument that maximizes the probability. So we take the class with the maximum probability, which in this case is 60%, and in this case is a cat. Now, when we do so, we are usually ignoring all the rest. And this is the key observation that Geoffrey Hinton had back in 2015. He said, the other 30%, which is incorrect, it's still something that the neural network learned. And so there is some knowledge there that I'm ignoring. There is this 30% of probability that is making me believe, or well, the network believe, that the, the, the image is a dog, right? Now, of course, this is wrong, but still, it means that there are some features, definitely less than the rest of the other features, that are convincing the network that there is a 30% probability that we are in front of a dog. And that makes perfect sense because a cat and a dog both have two ears, two eyes, four legs, a tail. And so that's probably that 30% of features that somewhere in the layers of the network are encoded in kind of the same way for the neural network to believe that there is a 30% chance that that is a dog, right? Now, the idea of Geoffrey uh, Hinton was very simple. This knowledge can be used for something. So we just don't have to throw it away. So this, in fact, is something that we can use and we can learn from the fact that there is not really a 0% probability that is a dog. There is a 30% probability it's a dog. And so there must be something in that information that I can learn from. That's called dark knowledge. So this knowledge is a, is a very important part of the knowledge distillation framework based on uh, student and teacher models, because then here is the genius, I think, of, of, what, um, of what Hinton did. He used a, uh, a, a parameter that is called the temperature that when it's equal to one, we get the standard softmax function. So we just take the, the probability of the single class and we take the maximum of it, right? But as you increase T, as you increase the, this parameter temperature, uh, 
the probability distribution produced by the softmax function becomes softer. And this provides more information as to which classes the teacher found more similar to the predicted class. That's why the probabilities of these classes, of these 10 animals, they start flattening. They start kind of converging to a, a certain value as, as we increase the temperature, right? Now, this is important because when you find that particular temperature value, you still have the cat as the, you know, the highest or the most probable animal predicted for that particular image, but you also have some other animals predicted uh, from the same observation. And this means that there is more dark knowledge you can learn from. When you compute the distillation loss, in fact, it's exactly this type of knowledge, is the dark knowledge that affects the overall flow of information that needs to be distilled. I mean, this is a cool idea because now what you can do is in fact, having a student that learns not only from the most probable class, but also from this dark knowledge. Now, what is the theoretical foundation of this, or what's the theory that com should convince us that knowledge distillation in fact works? Well, uh, there is no agreed theory, <laughs> to be honest with you, about how knowledge is really transferred from a bigger model to a smaller model, uh, and how this dark knowledge plays uh, in this transferring. Uh, but definitely there are some hypotheses, and uh, I think that one of the most interesting is um, the one that um, explains knowledge distillation as a maximization of mutual information uh, between the representations of the teacher and the student networks. And so basically, from the perspective of representation learning and information theory, the mutual information it reflects the joint distribution or the mutual dependence between the teacher and the student, between the big network and the small network, and quantifies how much information is in fact transferred. In fact, it's an hypothesis, right? So the hypothesis is that maximizing the mutual information between the teacher and the student is a crucial point in order to learn constructive knowledge from the teacher. And so what is this mutual information representing here? Well, it's the degree of certainty in the information provided in the representation of the teacher when the representation of the student is known. And so that makes a lot of sense now, because if you frame this in, under the, uh, the light of uh, mutual information, it makes sense. You know, it's like when I know what's the representation of the student, right? What is the degree of certainty in the information provided in the representation of the, of the teacher? So if I maximize this mutual information, you know, it means that I am maximizing the degree of certainty in the information provided in the representation of the teacher. There are a lot of uh, flavors that uh, have been contaminating the knowledge distillation problem. And um, one in particular is um, uh, knowledge from logits via softened labels and regularization. So the softened labels are in fact what we have just described. You know, they are achieved by increasing the temperature parameter in order to increase also the small probabilities 
that are still represented in all the other minor classes or less likely or less probable classes, right? Um, and now these knowledge distillation methods achieved some amazing results, especially on vision and speech recognition tasks. Another idea still in the same flavor is to enable the student to use the, uh, let's say, erroneous experience uh, during the training phase by the teacher, preventing overfitting and, of course, improving uh, performance and generalization. So, uh, you know, don't throw away, the, the concept here is do not throw away the erroneous experience, because the erroneous experience which is indeed represented with smaller probabilities, it's still indicating something in the data, something that the network could capture, the teacher network could capture, and so use it. Another idea comes from learning from noisy labels. And so here you have to assume that there is a small and clean data set and a large noisy data set. So you have, for example, a domain in which you have a, a lot of images, but they are not really... Uh, labeled correctly, um, probably because there is a lot of MacTurk or uh, a lot of uncertainty or the data is just not clean or not pre-processed correctly, etc. And and this is data that is kind of cheap to 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 collect, right? Because it's not there is no human intervention, there is no, no not a lot of labeling, but it's still something that you might be using, right? So imagine it's this large noisy data set, and on the other side you have a small clean data set. Think about uh, a more narrow domain in which you still have images, but they are perfectly labeled, but just a few. So you don't have a lot of these things, right? Now, the aim of distillation is to use this large amount of noisy data and in order to augment the small clean data set, probably in the other domain, in order to learn a better visual representation and classifier. What you would like to do, and what, in fact, some researchers have been doing, is to train a noisy student in three steps. In the first, you train a teacher model on label data. In the second, you use the teacher to generate pseudo-labels on the unlabeled images. And in the third and last step, you train a student model on the combination of labeled images and pseudo-labeled images while injecting noise. This is so-called adversarial perturbation. It turns out that the student can generalize better. It, the model of the student is much more robust. And, uh, and guess what? The student generalizes better than the teacher. So this is amazing because <laughs> this is one of the few cases in which you can say that the student is better than the teacher. Now, of course, all this doesn't come without issues and without problems or limitations. One in particular is that knowledge distillation is not always a practical framework uh, to use due to knowledge uncertainty. The performance of the student, uh, it has been observed to degrade when there is a very large gap between the student and the teacher. At that point, one thing that you would like to do is estimating the mother's uncertainty, because this is crucial since it can give you a more reliable knowledge to be transferred. So, 
Some researchers stress on the ensemble approaches in order to estimate data uncertainty and of course the distributional uncertainty as well. And to estimate the distributional uncertainty, they leverage an ensemble distribution distillation approach that increases the temperature of the softmax, not only to capture the mean of the ensemble soft labels, but also the diversity of the distribution. So there is a very similar approach. It's just that we are uh, moving this uh, concept to the distribution rather than to the unique classes. So it's clear that back in 2015, the original idea of Geoffrey Hinton was a, a generic approach that in fact started this uh, new branch of uh, transfer learning and model compression. And that's amazing. I'm, I'm really grateful Geoffrey Hinton published this and, and could realize this in, in, in 2015. It's, it's already a long time, it's almost five years. However, this is a general approach. It's a general framework, which is quite hard to be achieved on some data sets. For example, it has been observed that when the capacity of the student is too low, it is hard for the student to incorporate the logit information of the teacher in a successful way. And that's why there has been a lot of research and so many flavors that started from the generic approach proposed by Geoffrey Hinton and then started diverging and uh, you know moving towards other directions, some very clever, some others uh, just creative probably uh, without a, a lot of theoretical foundation but still very interesting to see for example uh, distillation via adversarial learning um, as well as um, distillation with uh, graph representations uh, using concepts from uh, graph neural networks which is an amazing topic probably I'm going to cover that in uh, one of the next episodes um, distillation from multiple teachers, something that has been ensemble of teachers in action, and uh, distillation by unifying data sources, and so on and so forth. Of course, you know, the idea of this episode was to give you a brief introduction of what knowledge distillation methods do, what is model compression and why it is important. I hope I did a decent job to introduce you to the topic. And uh, of course, more on that in the next episode, we are going to speak about a very similar approach. I don't want to disclose it now. It's going to be cool. Talk to you next time. You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.